It's the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our weekend service on Sunday, August 1st. This is a message delivered by a friend of mine, Brian Johnson, from Vineyard Church in Kenner. Good friend that I was on staff uh, with at that church for about seven years. Message is entitled Signpost. And he looks into how our lives can point others towards the reality of the kingdom of God through everything that we're doing. I think you'll get a lot out of this talk. So without further ado, let's head to the service. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me this morning. Uh, tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I work and I raise kids. That's pretty much it. Uh, my wife, Christy, is with me this morning. We've been married for about seven and a half years now. And uh, besides work, really, that is what we do. We have four boys. Uh, we have a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old. And we brought them all with us. And we brought a nursery worker with us also. We thought that would... Uh, Actually, my wife and I are also now currently in the process, uh, we are four months into about a 15-month process of adopting a baby girl, and so that is quite exciting. We just finished our home study. Uh, That's where a social worker comes into your home, and they kind of check things out, and then they write a report, and they tell you whether or not you would be good parents, and fortunately, we passed that, so... uh, so now they're going to let us adopt a child, and, uh, and that's something that we're, we're deep into. One of the things, uh, my boys and I, you know, if you have kids, you have lots of things that, that you do with your kids. You know, you have little sayings, and you have little uh, high fives, and little uh, uh, signals, and things that you're always practicing with your kids. You have your own kind of stuff. One of the things I do with my boys all the time, I've done this ever since my five-year-old was, was able to really get things. As I say to my boys, I say, who loves you? And they say, you love me. And I say, how much do I love you? And they've learned how to put their arms as wide as they can possibly go. And then I say, how do you know? And, and the very first time I said this part, how do you know, it, it really surprised me. But Michael looks back at me and he says, well, because you tell me. And it was the most wonderful thing. And now all my boys, I say, well, how do you know? Because you told me. How do you know? Because you told me. And I make sure that I'm always, always, always telling them, how do you know? Because you told me. Always telling them that I love them. It's interesting because as you look through the Bible, as you look through the Gospels, we might could go around this room and I could say to you, what is the, what is the biggest thing that Jesus taught about? What's the number one thing that Jesus taught more than anything else? And there's a good chance in a room this size that we would get a number of different answers. Some of us might say, oh, he taught about the forgiveness of sins. Or he talk, talked about the importance of heaven and not going to hell. Or he talked about the fact that we need to quit doing bad things. Maybe those would be some of our answers. But the truth of the matter is, when it really comes right down to it, the number one message that Jesus taught throughout the Gospels was the message of the kingdom. You know, if you were to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, over and over and over again, you see that Jesus actually talks about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, more than he talks about anything else. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, that's the very first thing Jesus does when he he starts his, what we call his public ministry. He's now about 30 years old, and in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 When he starts this public ministry, when he starts preaching, what does he say? He says, repent, 
for the kingdom of God is near. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And when Jesus came preaching, he came preaching this message of the kingdom. So what is, what is this kingdom that Jesus is talking about? You know, for many of us, we have this idea, we hear this word kingdom, we hear what, what Jesus is saying here, and we have this, this kind of mystical idea about the kingdom. Oh, the kingdom is this, it's this thing over there. Or, or the kingdom, it's this, it's this, this element that we, we try to attain to, or this place, maybe, that we might try to go one day. But the truth is, the kingdom that Jesus is talking about is, for all practical purposes, we could call it a a dimension, maybe. It's a dimension that is present right here, right now, even in this room. The kingdom of God, when Jesus talks about the kingdom, what he's talking about is the life of the future. You know, we, we, as as followers of Jesus, we understand that, that one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And that there's going to be a way that life is lived for all of those who followed Jesus. Would, would you agree with that? We understand that there's, there's a life, a future life. And it's going to be, it's gonna be uh, characterized by things like love and giving and kindness and joy and patience. It's going to be all the wonderful things that go along with the life of God. And that's what we will experience in the future. And when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, he is actually telling us, he's saying, listen, the life of the future The life that I invite you into one day in the future, actually, I invite you into it now that you could actually experience and live some of the life of the future right here now in the present. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says the kingdom is here. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is all around. We actually experience today the kingdom, and and oftentimes we might not even be aware of it. You know that every time that you extend forgiveness to someone, you know that the life of the future has broken in on the present. Every time that you are kind to someone, that you say a kind word as opposed to cursing someone, you know that the life of the future has broken in on the present. Are you with me on that? Do you see how that is? It, it's, it's all about the life of the future coming here and now in the present that Jesus invites us into. For us, we, we have this thing inside of us as followers of Jesus. We've heard these, these, maybe we might call them echoes of a voice. Echoes of a voice that long for things like justice in the world. Do you have that within you? We long for things like justice in the world. We long to see hungry people fed. We long to see homeless people have a warm bed to sleep in. We long to see fathers for fatherless children. We long to see streets that are clean and safe for our kids to play in. We desire to see healing for broken hearts, relationships for lonely people. We, we hear and we experience these echoes of a voice within us only to realize that this is the longing that God has placed in us as creatures who have been created in his image. It's a longing to see more of the kingdom, more of the life in the future here in the present. It's interesting, though, because, you know, we, we hear about this kingdom and we want to jump into it. We want to be a part of it. And so we, we join a community of faith, a, a church perhaps. So we, we maybe jump into to a Bible study. We, we, we start taking a bunch of classes perhaps. And we hear about it. We hear about it. We want in on it. Now, let me ask you, how many of you saw the movie uh, Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia? 
So you're, okay, you're familiar with this. So, so we have this idea about what this kingdom life is all about, and we jump into all these things, and we do all these spiritual practices, looking so forward to stepping out on the other side into the kingdom, only when we step out of the wardrobe is when we step into it. We step out on the other side. Oftentimes what happens is we find ourselves like sitting in a, a dentist office, and, and like in the waiting room. Has that been, ever been your experience, perhaps? And, and all of a sudden, you're in this waiting room, and you're thinking, man, I thought I was going to step out, and like, there was going to be like witches and fawns and princes and all kinds of cool things, and here I am in this waiting room. And what do you do in a waiting room? <laughs> you wait. You know, maybe you read some magazines, listen to some cool or not-so-cool music, and you just kind of chill, and you just kind of wait. And for many of us, that perhaps along the way, somewhere along the way, becomes what our life as followers of Jesus becomes like. We hear all these stories about the kingdom. We hear all these things that, that we've been invited into, and then we find ourselves just sitting around and, and waiting, 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 wanting more, wanting more. So what if I was to tell you that, you know what, there's more, and it's not very far away. It's actually so close within reach. It's right here. It's right now. As I, as I speak, as you breathe, you know what? The kingdom is here. That's what Jesus taught us. He says it's here. We can actually be a part of it. We can actually get in on this kingdom life if we will cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We can actually begin as followers of Jesus to practice what I like to call practicing the presence of the kingdom of God. And we can see how the kingdom operates in our own lives with our neighbors all around us. And when we start to understand the kingdom, when we start to, to actually see and, and have our eyes opened by the Holy Spirit to see what's taking place right around us, how we can experience the kingdom, it begins to change us. It begins to change us from the inside out. It will change the way we, we speak to people. It will change the way we spend our money. It will change the way we take care of our planet. It will change the way that we spend our time if we will allow the Holy Spirit to open us up to seeing the kingdom here and now. The kingdom is found in justice, breaking in all around us, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the chaos, in our world. And here's the deal. And this is what I want us to look at today. The fact that God has invited you and I to be participants as those who announce the kingdom life to all of those around us, to those in our neighborhoods, to those in our communities, to those that we work with. God calls you and he calls me to be signposts along the road of life, pointing to the reality of heaven and pointing to the reality of our King. The interesting thing about signpost, as we look at this today, signpost, what, what do you do? You put a signpost in the, in the ground, it has a sign attached to it, and what does it do? It points people in a direction. Signposts point people in a direction. The question for us is not, Will I be a signpost? The, the answer is yes, you will. You are. The question is, what direction will my life point other people? Which direction will my life point those around me? As a fully devoted follower of Jesus, are our lives pointing people towards the kingdom that Jesus spoke of? Does your life, now think about this, and, and don't raise your hand. But does your life point people towards values 
like forgiveness and relationships and love and peace and generosity and selflessness? Does your life point people towards genuine care for others and love for your enemies? Or, as, as followers, have we slipped the other direction? Do, do our lives point towards things like consumerism or greed or having to win at all cost? Or materialism, or fear, selfishness, hoarding. Have you seen that show, Hoarding? Has anybody seen that show? Oh. Or, 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 or other things like religiosity. Maybe we could ask this question another way. If we were to leave here, and we were to go to your neighbor's house, and we were to take Dan here, and we were to go and knock on Dan's neighbor's door, and say, could you tell us, just in the time that you've known Dan, which direction does his life point Ask another way, when, in your relationship with Dan, can you tell what's, what's important to him? What would your neighbor say to such a question? Would your neighbor say something like, oh, you know, we don't really even know him, but we've only lived next to him for 15 years, so we're still thinking that, you know, or would they say, well, yeah, psh, oh. well, we know that one time there was this, this thing that happened down the, down the street, and Dan was definitely on top of it. I mean, he was making sure everybody knew everybody's business, kind of, a go- kind of the neighborhood gossip. Or, <laughs> or, might your neighbor say, well, um, you know, one thing we know about them is that they, they're quick to resolve conflict. There was this thing that happened down the road, and, uh, man, they were the first ones who were in there trying to get the neighborhood to come back together and to resolve the conflict. Or, you know, this, this time, uh, Mike down the street, he broke his leg, and they were the, this family, they were the first ones to organize, like, a neighborhood meal thing where people were all making meals because Mike was out of work for a long time. And which direction might your neighbors say, your life is pointing. Here's the thing. For you and for me, God is inviting us into a story. He is inviting you and he is inviting me to actually be active participants in showing others a way of life that is beautiful. It's, it's the life of the future lived in the present, and we would all have to agree that we live in a society, a culture, a world that is not really practicing the life of the future in the present. Therefore, when we as followers of Jesus begin to practice this life through the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to practice this life in the present time, people take notice. Why? Because we're special? No, but because the life of God is flowing out of us, and people are intrigued by that. It's not normal to forgive. It's not normal to love your enemies. It's not normal to pray for your leaders and to lift them up and not to bash them. It's not normal to do any of these things in our society, in our culture. But that's the life of the future, to be lived here, now, in the present. It's our job. It's our calling. It's our purpose. It's to show people what this life looks like. It's to show people Narnia, for all practical purposes, if we go back to that earlier illustration, it's where Lucy goes into the wardrobe and she finds all these things in Narnia and she comes back to tell everyone. And, and, and not only does she want to tell them, but she wants them to experience it. And so she brings them into the story. Here's the thing. If we're going to fulfill this call, if we're going to fulfill this purpose, it's going to cost us something. 
Isn't that the fun thing about Christianity? The fun thing about following Jesus is he's like, hey, you can follow me, but you're going to have to die to do it. Oh, yay. Awesome. But that's what he says. He says, this is the life I want to invite you into. I want you to begin experiencing this life of the future and the present, but the only way you get to do it is if you lay down your life, if you lay down your rights, and you just choose to come and follow after me. And when I say go this direction, you go this direction. And when I say stop doing that, you stop doing that. And when I say, hey, let's head over here, then you head over here. Why? Because it's not your life anymore. I want you to follow me. And if you do, you'll experience more of this life of the future here in the present. The, the thing that normally keeps us in that waiting room in the dentist office, my friends, is the fact that, you know what, it's very safe. Even though we don't like it. A lot of us, we're bored. We're bored in the dentist waiting room. We don't like it, but you know what, it's safe. And I believe that that's what keeps us in that waiting room so often. But there is a greater calling. There is a greater calling for us. I brought a video with me this morning that I want to show you guys. This is actually... These are some friends of mine from uh, the vineyard on the South Shore, uh, a friend by the name of Tammy Cooper, Denise Ramirez, and Lori Mathern. And this, this video is kind of some of their stories about the things that uh, God has been asking them to do and where they've been serving and really where their lives have been signposts. So I'd like for you to take a look at this this morning. Hi, I'm Tammy Cooper, and I've been coming to the vineyard for approximately seven and a half years and I serve at the 9.30 service on Sunday mornings in the Vineyard Kids program, the three-year-old class. Hi, I'm Denise Ramirez, and I've been going to Vineyard for about five or six years now. Before I went to Honduras, I spent most of my career as a teacher, and I worked in New Orleans area in both private and personal, um, I mean private and public schools, and I really like working with kids, especially kids that were um, marginalized and, and feeling like they weren't successful and I also did some volunteer and paid work at the New Orleans Mission working with the homeless and it opened my eyes that there are a lot of people who live on the edge of society and just need some encouragement someone to come alongside of them. Being back there every Sunday seeing the same children every Sunday morning you make a connection it's not like they see me and they don't connect but being back there every Sunday morning, we learn their names, they know my name, and you connect with them. And they're like, hey, how are you? How was your week? We have conversations. It's nice to see them. And even though some may call me Miss Tammy, others may just say Miss Teacher or Miss Teacher Lady. <laughs> That's <laughs> Miss Teacher Lady. And then it's wonderful when I see the kids outside of church and they'll say, there's my teacher lady from church. I was sitting at the table and I saw this little boy outside. Well, I didn't see him outside. I saw something outside. I went outside and turned around the corner to see him stealing my oranges. So I asked him, baby, you're going to hurt yourself because he was standing on a cart and he was only a little bitty thing, little tiny. And um, I, I told him, if you need oranges or you want oranges in the morning, please come knock at my door and I'll give them to you so you don't have to take them. So he did. Every morning he would come and I'd give him an orange and then every evening after school he'd come back and I'd give him another orange. I heard about a missions trip through the Vineyard Church to go to Honduras during a Mardi Gras break which coincided with schools so I could go and I enjoyed it and I came back I just felt this really strange feeling I was supposed to go back maybe for the whole summer 
And so I went and I worked in a small village near the capital in a pharmacy. I had five minutes of training and I was a pharmacist. I remember one day I looked out of the, the, the window of the clinic and it was like, I felt like God spoke to me and he's like, up in these hills are your spiritual children. He said, they're the spiritual treasures of Honduras. Is the people that are left behind in these hills. It was established, that town, as a mining village and grew into the capital. And there's a 20, 30% unemployment rate. The natural resources are gone. But the people are the biggest treasure that's in Honduras. I'm not sure if, if you want to call it my calling, but God has just, I feel that I have been placed here for a reason, and I enjoy it, and I look forward to it. I don't dread getting up and going to church. I don't say, oh, I have to go and teach this month. I love it. I look forward to coming and doing it. So, okay, I had one little boy, morning and afternoon, then all of a sudden, I had two, and then three, and then all of a sudden, I ended up having about 10 of them. It started out as just, you know, giving them snacks and feeding them in the morning. But then after a while, after I learned from the Holy Spirit and the teachings of Vineyard that I needed to take it a step further. You know, it was just more or less very superficial. And then I got to know these kids. I knew this one had asthma. I knew this one came to the house with a snotty nose all the time. And if they have a bad day, they sit, sit outside in the morning for a while and we chat about their bad day. And then if they got a good grade, they knock at my door so proud of themselves that they got a good grade. And I went back to Honduras as a teacher. I taught in a bilingual school and um, assisted another church in another community. But I remembered that the city of Honduras was surrounded by mountain slopes just full of people that live in desperate poverty. And eventually I got back to doing that and helping some of these communities. Uh, I started work with a clinic that was having 100, 200 people lined up at six in the morning waiting for the clinic to open. Our goal is to reduce the amount of people that come to the clinic by teaching the young people and the moms how to have a healthier life. And one thing we can do is feed the hungry. UNICEF thinks about 25% of Honduran children are malnourished, are suffering from hunger. So one thing we can do to reduce the amount of people who need the clinic is simply by making sure that they have a meal. And we also teach things about the Bible, and we talk to them about a holistic approach to living, that Jesus has a plan for your whole life and not just in, up in the heavens. A Bible point we had not too long ago was God is always with us even when we're afraid. At three, you can relate that to their little lives. How many of you go to sleep at night and you're afraid when you turn off your bedroom light? Well, we don't need to be afraid. You can lay in bed and say, God, please help me. Don't let me be afraid. So even at three, they get our Bible point. In this neighborhood, it's not, all, it's not about money. You know, it, it really isn't. It's about these kids need love. And only through God did I understand that I could be a participant in giving these children a little bit of what they needed. It's, it's beauty, you know, and it's beauty for my neighbors too. You know, they 
participate and they see these little kids and they love on them too. So it's a win-win situation for all of us. I attend here and I feel like I get a lot out of church. And I'm touched when I come here. And I feel that my life has changed by being in church and being involved in church. And I feel that I give my time and my service on Sunday morning to the children because my life's been touched and changed. And if I can touch and change someone else's life, then that's what I want to do. Sometimes they're not even hungry for a snack. They just come and, and sit and chat. I have a little boy across the street. He's the only one that visits me during the summertime. And he, he looks at you directly in your eyes. And it's like, there's just something, I, I can't explain it. It's just something that, that's there. And, and, and it is a beautiful thing. But it also can be a heartbreaking thing. But it doesn't matter, you know. If you can plant one seed, just one, that's all, that's all you need. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I give my life for the gospel? Why wouldn't I want to be committed? Jesus Christ laid down his life, and we're not any different than that? We're any different than Jesus? No. We're supposed to lay down our lives for other people. And I feel like the second half of my life, I'm just beginning. That's kind of cool, huh? Does that inspire you to something? When, when I watch that, I, I just go, oh, goodness gracious. These, these women, Tammy, she serves, you know, she does a lot of things, but the, for this video, for the purposes, she, she serves within, within the community of faith, within the church. And I have a three-year-old, so to know that Tammy's back there at 9.30 every Sunday morning, that's when I want to go to church. You know, that's when I want to attend the gathering because I know that my three-year-old's going to be back there with her. Denise, her story's all about in her neighborhood. And Lori, uh, wow, Lori, Lori sold her house and her home and everything and moved to Honduras. Uh, so her story is taking place now uh, full-time in Honduras. And I hear these stories, I'm inspired I get, I get excited. I, I want to be a signpost. I want to point in this direction. I want to, I want to, be, I want to be everything that Jesus has, has invited me to be. I want to be a part of the story. But I've noticed a couple things about my own life. There are a couple things that hold me back. And uh, you know what they are? Number one is fear. And number two, I hate to admit it, but it's laziness. I just really like my sofa. That's, that's something I've, I've realized about myself. But if we're going to be inspired, the thing is inspiration's not really enough for us. Uh, it's not enough to, to, to leave and be like, yes, I get it. Inspired, going to do it. No, you know what? It takes a commitment on our part to actually say, I'm, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow Jesus. And when I, when I say I'm going to follow Jesus, I understand that it's going to take risk. And for you and I as followers of Jesus, that's, that's really what it comes down to, a willingness to risk, a willingness to follow not just follow, but to actually trust, to actually trust Jesus along the way. 
Because the kingdom of God, we, we have our own ideas, but in case, in case we have some bad ideas, let's be reminded, the kingdom of God, it is not about our comfort. God did not send Jesus to come preaching a message of comfort so that we could all live comfortable, cozy lives. It's not, a, it's not a, about salaries. It's not about our houses. The kingdom of God, it, it's not much about us. It's all about learning to live the life of the future and the present. The kingdom of God is all about learning to forgive. It's all about learning to live life with other people. It's all about character transformation. It's about compassion. It's about generosity. It's about wholeness, unity, beauty. It's about laying down our lives so that other people can experience more of God. I love what Lori says. She says, Jesus gave his life for us. And then she says, are we any different? Are we any different than Jesus? No, she says, we should also be laying down our lives. And if we think back to the Gospels, isn't that what Jesus, isn't that what Jesus said? The kingdom of God, it's about allowing God to free us from the unending pursuit of more money, more stuff, more popularity. It's all about allowing the life, allowing the life of the resurrected Jesus to transform us and to direct our steps and our lives and to be lived out through us. So something we might ask ourselves today is, is my life headed in that direction? The interesting thing about resurrection life when we have the life of the resurrected Christ within us, the interesting thing about resurrected life is that resurrected life wants to get out. Resurrected life does not get cozy and want to stay inside. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, what did he say? Hey, Lazarus, hang out in there. We're all coming in. No, what did he say? He said, Lazarus, come on out. Why? Because you have new life and you don't need to be hanging out in that tomb anymore. Resurrected life, when we get it as followers of Jesus and when he fills us with his life, it has to come out. It desires to come out. And the things that hold us back are fear and laziness and being afraid to risk. But you know what? He invites us into this. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, here's what Jesus says. In the NAS, he says it like this, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these other things will be added to you. Have you heard this, this popular verse before? Now, in the Message Bible, listen to how Jesus says this. If God gives such attention to the appearance of the wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think that he'll attend to you? Take pride in you and do his best for you? What I'm trying to get you to do here is to relax. I don't want you to be so preoccupied with getting because I want you to be able to respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way that he works, they fuss over all kinds of things. But you know God and you know how he works. So here's what I want you to do. Steep your life in God reality, in God initiative, in God provisions. Don't worry about missing out on other stuff. You'll find all of your everyday human concerns will be met. Now, When we seek after this kingdom, when we seek after this life of the future in the present, Jesus says, I'll take care of all the other stuff. He says, I want you to let go. I want you to die to yourself. I want you to let go of your life. Let go of the unending pursuit of more money. Let go of that unending pursuit of more stuff. I don't want you to worry about those things because those things, that's not even part of the, the kingdom. He says, I want you to seek the kingdom and all these other things, I'll take care of them. 
and, and don't, get, don't get all your own ideas about what it's going to look like for me to take care of them. When I say I'll take care of them, that doesn't mean I'll make sure that you have the biggest and best house. I'll just make sure that you're taken care of. You can kind of see where, where we get sideways on some of these things sometimes. He says, just seek the kingdom, though, and I'll take care of the other stuff in your life. The interesting thing, though, that we realize quickly is that it's going to take risk. It's going to take risk. I find that these ladies are risking something, each one of them. And so briefly this morning, let's look at a couple of things that God might invite us. Invite us is such a wonderful way to put it. Things that God might invite us to risk. Let's start with something easy. Money. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have this thing for money. You know, some people collect bottle caps. Some people collect, you know, baseball cards. I like to tell people I collect money. That's kind of, that's kind of my thing. It, it's a beautiful thing because I do believe that money, especially in our society and our, our culture, I believe that money could be one of the most powerful, incredible tools for the kingdom of God. The way that we spend the money that God has blessed us with. It's his money. We need to always keep that in mind. But the way that we choose to spend that, if we're following him, money speaks louder than anything else. Would you, can you agree with that? The other day, I'm driving down the street, and one of my neighbors down the street, he's a, he's a little bit of an older gentleman, and he recently had surgery on his elbow, and they had to fix all these tendons in his arm, and, and so he can't, use, he can't use his hand anymore. And so I'm, I'm going down the street. I roll down my window. He's sitting outside, and I say, hey, Joe, I said, uh, do you need anything? You know, cut your grass, need to put stuff on a shelf that's higher up, or you need any help around the house, do you need anything at all, give me a call. And he says, Nob. And the only thing I need is if you can pay my electric bill. <laughs> and I'm thinking, really? Money. You see, he doesn't even need his electric bill paid, but that's the only thing he can think of because money speaks so loudly in our society. So the question for us is, well, what are we doing with our money? How do we trust God with our money? I've got to tell you, I have this thing. I'm always talk, I talk about money a lot because I'm always thinking, you know, it's not ours, it's God's. We need to be good stewards, and we don't need to trust in money, yada, yada, yada. Until recently, when my wife and I felt like God was asking us to do something that was going to require money. It was going to require lots of money. And so I, I open up my, my account online, and I, I see how much money is there, and I'm like, yeah, we, we, we've got the money for this. And so we start to empty our savings account, and we start to spend this money. And then I open up online, and I look at my account, and I see that it's gone down. And something inside of me, seriously, something inside of me just kind of got depressed. And we kept spending more money, and I'd open up the account again, and I see that it's going down and going down and going down and going down, and I'm getting sadder and sadder and sadder. And I started to realize that I put incredible faith and trust in my bank account. I find great security in my bank account. Now, when I had a lot of money in the bank account, I would tell you, I don't know. It's no big deal. But when the money starts to go and it leaves the bank account, all of a sudden I'm left going, wow, it kind of is like it's the hugest deal. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. I'm scared to death. I hope nothing bad happens because God knows we're going to be in a lot of trouble. That's how I feel. I, have you ever experienced something like this? It's easy to trust God when you got lots of stuff. <laughs> it's a little bit harder when he starts asking you to do something with it. But I believe 
that if we want to experience where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and I'll take care of the rest of this stuff, the only way we, the only way we truly get to experience what he means when he says he'll take care of everything else is if we actually jump on the front end and seek first the kingdom. And so Christy and I believe what we're doing on the front end, we believe it's a kingdom thing that he's asking us to spend the money on. And so we're going to keep pushing forward. Nervous? Yes. But willing to take a risk? Yeah, because I want to see. And I want to be a part of what he's doing in our lives. Another area that might take risk is with our time and with our energy. I think this one's as big to us as our money a lot of times. Because we, we are very, you know, we're very into boundaries and we're very into making sure that, you know, we don't overstep things and that we have the right amount of time and the right amount of energy for X, Y, and Z. But sometimes truth is Jesus comes in and he says, hey, I want you to go and I want you to do this. Oh, but it's going to take time. I know. I know it's going to take time. Man, it's going to take in. I know it's going to take energy. This is the direction that I want you to go. Well, can God actually figure out a way to give us back time and energy? I think so. I, I don't know exactly how it works. There's not like a real science behind this, but yes. I mean, I look at, I look at people like, um, like Tammy Cooper. She's the one that works every week at the 930. And if you ask her, is it worth the time and is it worth the energy? She'll say, absolutely. Does she feel a specific calling to children? No. But she believes it's something that God's placed on her heart. And so she pours her time and she pours her energy into it because she's following after the kingdom. She's following after what God's placed in her heart. And if you ask her, well, do you feel like you're lacking in time and energy? She'll tell you, not really. I just, I feel like God figures out a way to take care of it. He gives it back to me with my family in certain ways. He gives it back to me at work in certain ways. It just, it works. Well, that doesn't make sense. I know. And so we, you don't have to make sense of it, but understanding that Jesus says, seek the kingdom. I'll figure out the rest. Let me worry about the other stuff. And maybe one other area is our comfort. Sometimes there's going to be a risk, and it, it might threaten our comfort. I have a friend of mine. He attends a, a vineyard. He's in a community of faith in New Mexico at a vineyard church. And uh, he was down a couple of years ago, and he was telling me this story. He and his wife, they have about six kids, small kids. So I, I kind of, you know, he's winning, but I kind of feel that we're kind of in the same, same boat there. Very young children. He lives in this neighborhood, and he was telling me that he and his wife, uh, they live in this neighborhood, and it's going downhill, and it's going downhill quickly. The neighbors, there's a lot of uh, drug dealing going on now. He says the cops are out in the neighborhood all the time. He says the neighborhood is just, it's, it's, it's gone so far away, it's time to get out of there. So he and his wife, he says, I'm going to sell the house. He calls a real estate agent. Real estate agent, they work everything out. He's getting ready to put the for sale sign in the front yard, and his wife says to him, I think we should pray about this. To which he responds, why? <laughs> which would be my response. And she says, I don't know. I just think that we should pray about this. So the two of them decide they're going to pray about it. After praying for just a few days, they come to the realization, they come together and they say, you know what? We don't think we're supposed to move from this neighborhood or this house. And as he's telling me the story, this is what he said. He says, we felt like God was saying to us, this is exactly where I want you to live. Not only do I want you to live here, but I want you to become a signpost in this neighborhood. And I want you to begin to open up your home. I want you to begin to open your home to the people who are sleeping on the streets at night all around your neighborhood. I want you to begin inviting the people who are doing the, the drug deals and all these things right down the road. I want you to begin inviting them for dinner. And I want you to become a lighthouse, basically, in this neighborhood because I want to use you and your family to transform the lives of people in this neighborhood. 
my wife and I in our first house, the guy across the street collected junk and stored it on his porch. And I'm like, I'm out of here. How many of us are really thinking, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus and it might mean comfort. You know what, that means that even before I sell my house or even before I switch jobs or even before I do whatever the next thing is, I'm going to ask Jesus what he thinks. Because you know what, he's the one I'm following. And this might actually not be an accident. It might not be an accident that I'm in this job that I can't stand. Maybe I'm here and I need to change my attitude because there are people here who Jesus wants to impact through my life. Just an idea. So Jesus says, soak your life in God reality, and when you do this, I'll take care of everything else. Well, what's it mean? I I think it's quite simple. I think it comes down to a place where we find out what God is doing, and we get in on that. Instead of doing our own thing and asking God to get in on that. Perhaps you've heard it before. You know, people say, you know, don't, don't ask God to bless what you're doing. Ask God what he's blessing, and you get in on that. And that's how I, I really like to live my life, is just finding out, God, where are you moving? Because that's where I want to be. I'm following you. You're not following me. So what's it look like? Maybe your boss walks in, gives you a bonus, $2,000. Boom, right here. Well, is it immediately, yes, that new TV I've been wanting. Now, I don't think God has problems with the new TV. But is that our first thought? Or maybe our first thought is, you know, God, this is completely unexpected. Is there anything that you want to do with this? Was this given to me by my boss in order that I might now use it to get it where you really want it to go? Is that a thought that would cross our minds? If it's not, it probably should be. Why? Because we're following him. Because we're following after him. How about this? You're in line at the grocery store. And you're behind a single mother and her kid has been yelling forever. And she, like, her buggy was full. And so she, you know, I mean, oh, she's, and you've been standing in line for what seems like eternity. I mean, it's been like four minutes. And so now, now she goes to swipe her credit card and her credit card is declined. Now, let me ask you, is this a nuisance Or is this an opportunity? Because how you act in this situation, you're being a signpost. Don't ever forget it. So when you roll your eyes and start mumbling and cursing under your breath, you're pointing this woman and this cashier in a direction. Or we're quickened by the life of the resurrected Jesus in us and we pull out our debit card and say, you know what, let me take care of your groceries today. Now would you agree that each one points, but they point in very different directions? But guys, we got to slow down. we got to slow down and we got to be engaged with the life of Christ in us to be able to, to see this happen and say, you know what, God, what are you doing? Apart from you, when I disconnect my life from you, I know what I'm doing. I'm rolling my eyes and I'm cursing under my breath. But when your life is flowing through me, what are you doing in this situation? Are you buying our groceries today? See, when I get to the end... And, and I've been thinking about this so much lately, especially with this whole, this whole bank account thing. <laughs> but when I get to the end, I don't want to just say, you know what, Woo-hoo, I did it. You know, I made it to the end. I had a successful job. I kept it. It was good. You know, raised the boys. That worked out okay, <laughs> hopefully. 
Well, and I always had enough money for this, and we always had, were able to, yeah, yeah, I did it. You know, the truth is, when I get to the end, I want to be able to say, you know what, at times, that was the scariest ride ever. That was scary. But you know what? Every time, every time Jesus asks us to move in a direction or to get up and go here or to spend money on this, we, we stepped into it and we took the risk. And I can now say at the end, looking back, Jesus was incredibly faithful every single time. And it wasn't me who can say, I did it. But I can simply look to him and say, wow, you did it. That was Amazing. That's what I want to pass on to my kids. That's what I want to pass on to my friends. That's what I want to pass on to my community of faith. I really think that the only ones who get to experience that at the end, being able to say, God, you did it, are the ones who will embrace the kingdom here and now and who will embrace Jesus on what he says when he says, seek after the kingdom. This is the life that he created us for. This is the story that he's invited us into. To walk away from this is to really shortchange ourselves, ultimately. Last thought. We should do this in community. I think a big reason that this is so difficult for us is because we don't have one or two or three friends to actually take the journey with. You know, we talk, especially in the church, we talk about community a lot. And I know you guys, you have two or or three groups here where you you meet in smaller communities. And and if you're not a part of one of those smaller communities where you can really develop relationship with other people, I encourage you to get in on that. Because there's nothing scarier than feeling like God's asking you to risk something and having no one to talk to about it. There's nothing scarier than feeling like God's asking you to empty your bank account, but yet there's no one else. You can't even find anyone else who is experiencing similar challenges. And so now you start to think, well, maybe I'm just crazy because I'm apparently the only one that God speaks to like this, and now I don't really know if I want to do it. can, Can you track with that? There's, there's something beautiful about having, you know, if Zach and Paul and I are, are in a community together and I'm saying, you know, guys, this is what I feel like God's saying. And Zach says, you know what, I'm going to be challenging you with it and I'm going to be praying for you with it because I, I think that's from God. And then Paul says, you know, I've had this other challenge and this other thing that I think God might be doing. What do you guys think? And now I can take comfort in the fact that I'm being challenged to, to move out of my comfort zone because I know it might be different for him but he's also being challenged and we're able to to pray for one another, support one another, encourage one another, challenge one another. This thing with the adoption for my wife and I, we don't know very many people who have adopted. This is an international adoption that we're going through right now and we only know one person who's adopted internationally. We've become quite good friends with those, those people. Why? Because they understand what we're going through. The rest of our friends are just kind of like, oh, wow, another kid. Y'all are nuts. And that's pretty much all we get. <laughs> but the friends who have adopted, and we have found it, we've actually taken this a step further, and we have found a community online. We've actually found other people all around New Orleans and Baton Rouge who are adopting from the same country we're adopting from, and now we're working on going to dinner with these people and just being in, involved in community together so that we're, we're able to, you know what? Hey, we're scared to death. You know, we're like, we don't know if we can love an adopted kid. We don't know if we can love a girl. We don't know, we don't know anything, you know? We're like... And, and you know what? People are like, no, no. We had the same fears and risk. And when our child got home, it, it was as though they, they were born right to us. I mean, it, it's amazing. But to have people that you're in community with, that you can walk through it with. 
So, what's it look like? After Jesus left, went to heaven, you know, he's standing there with his disciples. He's, he says, guys, ladies, this is it. I've been here. I've shown you what it looks like. I've shown you what the life of the future lived out in the present looks like. And there's coming a day when we're all going to be there. It'll be new heavens. It'll be new earth. It'll be beautiful. Until then, I want you to show everyone else what that life is going to look like. I'm going up. I'm going to heaven. And you're the ones that I'm leaving behind to show people. And so after Jesus went to heaven, Peter got busy preaching the gospel. After Jesus went to heaven, Paul and Barnabas started floating all around the Mediterranean, planting churches. After Jesus went to heaven, people were all all over the place. They started sharing their possessions and they started sharing meals together and they started worshiping the one true God together. After Jesus went to heaven, these signposts started popping up all over the known world. And now 2,000 years later, Jesus still heaven with God the Father. And we can still say, after Jesus went to heaven, my friend Denise started taking kids in her neighborhood who are poor and who are hungry and and spending time with them before and after school every day. After Jesus went to heaven, my friend Lori went to Honduras to minister to children and feed the hungry. After Jesus went to heaven, a friend of mine started a mentoring program in a public school and invited friends to do it. After Jesus went to heaven, this friend of mine that I know, she started a photography business, not so she could make money, so that she could get to know people outside of her normal church bubble circle, just so she could be in relationship. After Jesus went to heaven, a friend of mine left a very high-paying job to actually devote his life to missions and traveling around the world as a missionary. After Jesus went to heaven, signposts started popping up all over the known world. And if you look in Matthew 28, when Jesus ascends, the reason that we can do this and the reason that we can rest assured that risk is worth it, that risking money and comfort and time and energy is all worth it, is because at the very last thing Jesus says in Matthew 28 is, and when you go and do this, I will always, always be with you. You will always have the life of the resurrected Jesus backing you up, being the one that's living out of you as he calls us to continue being signposts that point people in the direction of the kingdom. Amen. Why don't we stand? I'd like to pray for us and then what kind of things do you do? Pray for us, all right. Act like I'm at home. Lord, our desire is, it's really to follow you. And Jesus, well, I'm inspired. And I want to take it a step further. And so for all of us in the room, God, would you just open our eyes to the things that you're doing all around us. Lord, in our neighborhoods, at the gym, at our jobs. Lord, even here, when we gather as a community of faith, would you open our eyes to see your kingdom, to see what you're doing? And when you continue, would you continue to transform us, transform our hearts, Lord, is that we would continue to allow more and more of your life and your resurrected life to flow out of us. We want to be signposts for you. Lord, that people would look at our lives, that they would see you, and that they would be just, uh, Lord, that they would would just uh, come to your kingdom so quickly because they want to know more about this incredible God that we serve. We love you and we bless you. Amen.